And welcome to the second episode of uh, Disaster Dads. Thanks for everyone for being here. We really appreciate everyone for listening to the first episode. It was a lot of fun to do, and we've had an enjoyable time listening to all the feedback. Uh, for those of you that have even more feedback, uh, go ahead and give it to us. We'll read it, and then we'll ignore it if uh, we choose to. So we appreciate that. Uh, you can reach us at our Twitter handle, at Disaster Dads, or visit our website at DisasterDads.com and uh, get all the important information. So again, my name is Eric, and I am your Disaster Dad host, and I am really glad that you're able to join us. With me at a very full table today, I have some of our previous Disaster Dads and a new Disaster Dad, so let me tell you who we got here. We have Joe, who is our famous Disaster Dad from deep in the south of Virginia. Dan, another famous Disaster Dad. You might hear him a lot because his mic is quite hot tonight, and he's always a hot individual. Rob? He's here. He's hosting us in his basement tonight. We're appreciating that and uh, really welcome to the opportunity to test out new places. And then we have Frank. Frank missed out on the first one. I'm really happy that he's able to join us tonight. So, Frank, do you want to give a little background about uh, about who you are and, and what you can bring to the podcast? You can bring anything you want. You brought food and beer, but other stuff that you can bring sure. to the podcast. All right. Thanks a lot. Uh, glad to be here. Sorry I missed episode one. I was sitting on the beach enjoying a, a six-pack of beer while you guys were recording. Um communications expert uh for our school system and uh crisis communications is my is my deal so i'm glad to be here and we're happy to have you um and again, another strong tenure of service yes volunteer firefighter well we're all young at heart but around the table we have over 60 years of experience you would find that if you visit disasterdads.com and read our bios you can get a little more information there again disasterdads.com or tweet us at disasterdads um we're going for a lot of synergy here. So we love tweets. We love tweets. Send us tweets. Haven't figured out how to use Facebook yet. I think you can tell that we're a little old for that. We'll get there. We'll figure it out. But I don't know what the kids are doing. It's, it's not that hard. The Friendster page is pop popping off. <laughs> but we're happy. That, now I'm distracted by Friendster. But we're really happy to have everyone here with us today. So... The first episode, we're, you know, again, really grateful that everyone is able to listen to you. I don't know if I've graduated yet. So, you know, maybe by episode three or four, I'll have more information on that. But people did like it. And so uh, that always bodes well for the graduation um, aspects of the uh, first episode. But it did also show that there was a great interest in what we have to talk about and that we're not just as um, entertaining to ourselves. Other people actually enjoy listening to us as well. So um, thank you again for listening, and uh, we hope you, you stick with us through this fun adventure. So like the last episode, we're going to talk a little bit about some news and get things going off there and um, then get into the heart of our episode, which is going to be expanding about what we talked about last time, about you know preparedness at home. And that's great, and there's a lot that we have to do there, but then also need to take the step of do preparedness at work because um, that's where we spend a lot of our times and, and go from there. So we'll get to that. So while we're talking about some news, let's you know be thinking about that in your mind and, and you know some things that maybe that you're doing at your office or what your office should be doing or wherever you work. And maybe you work at home, so you have to double things up a little bit there. Uh, but we did want to talk about some interesting things that have been happening in news lately, these thousand-year floods. So there was Ellicott City in Maryland, had a uh, devastating flood that, that came running through is, you know, that thousand year never going to happen really. And then it did. And, you know, they built to some pretty great standards, but ended up, you know, knocking a bunch of buildings, losing, losing, you know, parts of a historic downtown. Um, and this is a thousand year flood. And then just right after that, uh, Louisiana, Baton Rouge area got hit by a thousand year flood um, with all of the rain. Both of these were very large floods 
but they were different just a little bit. The Ellicott City one was very fast. It came in, went through, and it was gone, and the devastation was there. And, you know, it was just a different it was a it was a river flood. It came through and did all that. The the floods that we saw in Louisiana were just a little bit different. There it was heavy rain. I mean, well, some like twenty something inches of rain that came down in a very short amount of time. So you had a lot of rain. And then it just stayed and and it just kept rising and you know water levels to the roofs and even higher i mean it was so again it was a thousand year flood are we gonna be seeing more of these thousand year floods do you think this is something that's going to be happening the thousand year flood i would almost say is a, is a misnomer everybody has this you hear these thousand year flood or you know the the rarity of earthquakes do a little history research and when was the last thousand year flood Maybe we're due. Uh, are you in a prone area? And was a prone it, was area. It 999 years ago. It could have been. <laughs> um, regardless of whatever year flood it is, um, find out if you're in a flood prone area. Okay, maybe you don't live quite as close to a river as some others, um, but just because it's a small creek, it's a small river, you're not nearby, doesn't mean it can't flood and it wouldn't affect you in some way around your neighborhood. To piggyback off that, I think that's something you do. If you buy a house, you're going to. Your insurance company is going to look in that. You might have to buy insurance because you are in a floodplain. So just take a look at that. Your insurance and mortgage company should know that. Yeah, I mean, you've got the National Flood Insurance Program that you have to do, and that's always a touchy subject within communities. But especially as you see more of these high river incidences, you're going to have more of these uh, readjustments on how expensive it is and do you do it, do you not do it, uh, what benefits do you get out of it, yeah. Yeah, but I think, you know, we're, I think that also the larger lesson here is when you're just thinking about your house, this is sort of reinforcing what we talked about last time in terms of before the event happens, think through if I have to get all of the people, pets, whatever, that are in this house out for any reason, whether it be flood, earthquake, or whatever, think through that process before you have 10 yeah. minutes to get out because of whatever, fill in the blank. Um, With the wildfires we're seeing in California. I mean, right. that. What was a blue cut, the blue cut mm -hmm. range fire? That one came up dramatically fast right. and, and people yeah. really had to move. Right. We're, we're, right. we're in wildfire season in a lot of the country. We're in thunderstorm and flood season in a yeah. large part of the country. And we're still in hurricane season for the East Coast. So there can be any number of these things that could come up depending on where you are. Um, or you could just get a freak weather occurrence or any other type of disaster happening in your neighborhood. So, you know... To some extent, obviously, look at where you are and what you might be facing, but you also just need to think more broadly in terms of, I need X number of seats in a vehicle, these medications, and where are we, which way are we going to drive? Yeah. Uh, and then that way you don't have to think about all of that when the water's rising or the funnel cloud is touching down or whatever it is. You yeah. know what you're going to do. I think Dan made a good point about knowing which way you're going to go. Thank you, Frank. How are you going to get out? What um, what, what interstate, how's everybody else getting out of the area you live in? Um, yep. and, and if there are side roads you can take because chances are that interstate yep. is going to be pretty backed up. And one thing that we talked about briefly last time and that I'm sure we'll talk about once we get into the topic of the day today, spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> don't plan on being able to necessarily have GPS on, you know, if everybody's trying to get on ways in your area to get out, do you have paper maps? Do you know the back roads to get from where you are to where you want to be? Speaking of paper maps, 
National Geographic just put yeah. up the ability to get all those quad maps oh, for yeah. like terrain maps for free. Yes, that's awesome. What I couldn't <laughs> oh get the God, search, yeah. I couldn't get the search function to work, but I found that website. Yeah, they they put all of those uh, USGS like quad maps for uh, terrain and all those kind of things for free. You just go in, put in a coordinate, and uh, you can just get it. So that was really good. And the last thing, and one thing I do want to add is just, you know, we're talking about being prepared and how to get out, but also think about your community and, and where you have to go. Um, uh, as I'm looking, you know, in our uh, taping session today, we have a neighbor, you know, hanging out. And you got to watch out for, you know, Andy. Hi. Uh, he's waiting for all of you in the uh, podcast audience. You know, we have to, we have to. Dan, I'm good with beer, so you can keep those ones over there. It's fine. I'm good. Uh, you have to think about, you know, your neighbors and what you have going on there. So um, I think that's an, an important thing and uh, just really want to get that out. But so that was that's kind of the point on thousand year floods. Um, does anyone have any last little bits to? No, I think we covered this one. I think we pretty we're much good around that one. <laughs> oh, my God. We're good for nine hundred ninety nine years. Jesus. Hey guys, I love you to death. I love you to death. Well, hey, have you graduated you, yet, or can we still? Do we still have a chance to torpedo this whole? Uh, thing? There still is a chance. They okay. may they may listen to the second episode and realize, you know, that first one was a fluke. This is not really going to take off, and you know, Georgetown really doesn't want to put this into the uh, into the repertoire of EDM. So, so yeah, let's get to the topic at hand. All right, Joe, lead us into it. What do we got oh, today? No, I mean, this is your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just doing the awkward transition. Oh, that's always awkward transition. Yeah. Well, we will be talking about space weather. Too, isn't it? I mean, we can bring that up every episode. Just tangent. I'm very happy. But uh, we talked about home preparedness. So we want to talk about workplace preparedness. Um, you know, we're, it's an important aspect that sometimes gets overlooked. You go to your office and you work and then you leave. But what if or something were to happen there? How do you get home? Do you have communication plans with your family? Where to meet your family if something happens? If you and your spouse are different places, you know, how do you get to your kids? Uh, how do you get to all these other aspects? I mean, what do you do? You leave the kids at daycare and pay the six dollars a minute uh, as long as they're going to be there? I mean, have you with well, the kind of conversations that you need to have? So, so let's let's kind of take this and first things first. You know, does your office have something in pla- in place? If so, do you know about it? I mean, do you do you ever talk about it, um, Joe? Right. So, d- definitely, the the first thing is to figure out what, your, as Eric said, what your office may already have in place. Um, you know, it is a uh, almost it, it's probably a law in all fifty states, federal OSHA requirements, um, and, and certainly as a federal employee, there, there's federal requirements to have an occupant emergency plan. Um, you know, you're going to see those in almost every size building, except maybe the smallest little storefronts probably not going to have something um, uh, where the employers, the employee is going to be able to just pull that out and reference it. But well, you're saying you would, you should see you it. You should see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there should be something. You I'm may gonna, not see it. I'm going to kind of disagree with you there a little bit. Yeah. Um, having worked on the government side, it's always there. Right. And extreme and rehearsed and in plain view uh i do not think you're going to find things to that anywhere near that standard in many private sector office buildings to any they may have an annual fire drill where everyone has to walk down the stairs and each occupant particularly if there's more than one business tenant tenant, more than one tenant uh in the building um 
I wish I went and looked for it this week. I wish I could have found it, but we I am given my background the designated uh, answer the building emails about emergency preparedness guy from my office. I work for a very small company and we're a ten- one of many tenants in an office building. And we were asked about a year, almost exactly a year ago, to designate a safe room in our office, a shelter-in-place room. Now, yeah. given our background, I knew exactly what they were talking about. But it came in this very official email, and they said, you need to designate it. So I emailed back, and I said, well, what are you looking for in the safe room? And the response from the building coordinator was, the safe room should be the safest room in your office. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, thank you very yeah. much. So I picked the room next to the coffee maker in case we ever had to do a drill uh, during the day. Uh, that's, I think that's important. That's safe. Yeah. But, the room with the coffee but, maker? The room with the coffee maker. Well, but yeah. here's the other thing. You know, Caffeine when you work in, people an, in an open, building. you know, in a professional building that has an open concept uh, floor plan, and so everything has glass walls. Yeah. Um, the idea of a safe room uh, or a shelter-in-place room uh, can be kind of silly. Uh, but, you know, so uh, that's my only pushback there, Joe. I no, that, I get that. I, yeah, I wouldn't say it's pushback. I mean, I just think it's a reality. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I, th- I think there's sort of two two lanes to look at this. Is it's one, what is what are you what is your company or your your office doing at the sort of institutional corporate mm-hmm. office level? And then what are you doing at the individual level? Yeah. Right. And those should go hand in hand. But the the thing to keep in mind is you know what your needs are in an emergency you know what the medication is you know the commute route you know where your kids are if you need to pick them up at daycare um, and so you really need to take the plan that your office has if they have one um, and you know maybe adjust it to your own reality um, there's some very simple things that every office can do right you post your evacuation routes next to all the main yeah. next to all the office doors um, you you practice walking up and down those stairs so that you know what floor is actually the floor that's going to get you outside. It's not always the one. It could be ground. It could be basement. It could be you know whatever the concourse. Um, well, and where it pops you out. And where most it of the time pops it's you like out. An alleyway that no one ever walks in, and they have no exactly. clue where they are. Yeah, you you pop out a door somewhere because then you, you get all those confused no people at are. a doorway. That's even the bigger the other um, the other point related to that is if you. If your office or your company or your whatever, your unit picks a rally point outside of the building, my personal preference is pick one that doesn't require you to cross a street, particularly yeah. the street right in front of your office building. Because if, for say, example, it's a fire call, even if it's a false alarm and you're getting out there, if the if the bell goes off for a, a fire in an office building, you're gonna depending on where you are, you're gonna be looking at five to ten trucks, a battalion chief, a medic unit, yeah. a lot of people, uh, and then all of the suburbans that just show up at these types of things for any number of aids and whatnot. Uh, don't be crossing the street when they're all fighting for position and trying to find the right spot and see who's gonna be first due and second due. Stay on your block. Just walk up the street. That's true for your yeah. house. That's true for your office building. Well, and to to what Joe was saying, every every building and every building management company should have someone there. That I mean, that is, this is their job. Uh, there are emergency management people that they live on commercial enterprise and, and how to do it, and and then larger companies and even smaller companies for business continuity purposes. All right, mm-hmm. so. I can't get in my office. Uh, uh, in Washington D.C., a couple of weeks ago, there was the transformer fire that knocked out a couple, you know, 
buildings downtown. So that's a lot of tenants because it's normally smaller people or smaller offices filling up a whole building. So what are your what are your continuity of operation plans, your coop plans for whatever size of, of organiza- organization you are? So they need to have that out there. Yeah. The, other, the other thing, too, is if you work for, for a local government, a school system, a federal office somewhere, you're most likely you're going to be rehearsing. You're going to have a drill, fire drill, tornado drill, um, hurricane drill, something like that. Take take it seriously when you practice. Don't just say, "Oh, we're having a drill," and and show up or go to get coffee or something like that. Yep. Actually practice because there could be something in that plan that you might not know in the event of an actual emergency. Um, you know, we practice fire drills all the time. Yep. We have an earthquake, and the evacuation plan for an earthquake is similar to that of a fire plan, but because people, some people in our building yeah. had never participated in the fire drill, they had no idea. Yep. Well, right, and, and we see that in, in my workplace all the time where people will find out that we're about to have a drill. And take the day and, off. And that, not even take the day off. They will leave five minutes before the fire alarm goes off. So that they can take the elevator. So that they can take the elevator, so they can be first in line at the Starbucks across the street. Whatever the reason is, you know, my point is practice like you play. Yeah. If right. you, you know, don't take it seriously during a drill, if you don't take the emergency equipment that you have, like a personal supply kit or emergency kit in your office, if you don't take your personal items during a drill, you're not going to remember to take those things in a real event. It's just not the way the mind works. Yeah. So, And if you happen to be the person responsible for planning these drills, don't make it for the, the most optimal time for your employees. Don't do it 9.30 in the morning when it's 75 degrees and it's it's the sun's not all the way up in the air, up in the sky. Yeah. Schedule it for when it's 95 degrees outside or if it's pouring rain or if it's starting to snow a little bit because emergencies can happen at any time. They don't. So all your coworkers hate you. Is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they, you know, we don't... It just, just well, don't rain really hard. But yeah, let's do this. We pull, that, pull that. But we learned this in the fire service. How many times yeah. have we had a drill, a drill in the snow, yeah. right? Or drilling when it's hundred degrees outside, right? And you're in, yeah. you're in turnout gear. I, I mean, think everyone they, did it, was everyone here involved in the burn that got moved from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. The in Alexandria, the, the, the overnight burn, burn that the turned into burn? the shelter in the burn building because of the ramp and the, the lightning strike in yeah. the parking lot. Yes. Bill? Yeah, because it was <laughs> 110 yeah. in the shade. During the day, I don't think that and it was 102 in the shade at night, at so night, they decided to do that. thunderstorm. Yeah. yeah. That was fun. Uh, anyway, but, but I, I was I was just going to add to, related to what you, uh, Frank and Joe, said, which is, um, in addition to sort of being actively participating, if this happens, don't leave early. Don't also be the one jerk that when the fire alarm goes off, you refuse to leave your office because you have work to do. There's been one of those in every office I've ever worked in, regardless yeah. of public or private sector um you're just being really annoying when it's a drill and counterproductive you are putting your and other people in danger when it's a real occurrence and there's always one person who feels like oh i'm still going to do that conference call at 10 when the friggin fire alarm is going off in their ear don't be that person and that's there's two aspects to this that i just want to make sure everyone listens there needs to be there needs to be somebody planning these things and doing that and and every office should take that small large you know be the pressure that needs to be in your office place and get that to be done and then the second part is is you need to be part of that you need to you know 
everybody needs to be part of a, a response plan. And everybody, like we were talking about, you know, 72 hours is, is how long it's going to be till someone possibly can get to your home, those kind of things. You need to be active in your own safety as well as the safety of your fellow coworkers. And so, you know, working on that um, is, is an important thing to do. So be, be the leader in your office, even if you're not the emergency management mm -hmm. contact or whatever, by, by walking out of the steps and, and walking down the stairs and doing all that gives a good example. And you can just be the example in your office. Right. And well, one of the things, oh, go ahead. Be, being the example in your office, I was going to tag onto that. Um, a lot of larger agencies, larger offices, if you're in a larger building that you occupy on your own, they'll have floor teams. You, know, you may have yeah. two or three people in the emergency management office, but then they will get managers or, or people who work on the floor to be basically hall monitors, make sure everybody's heading for the stairs, making sure people aren't using the elevator, uh, your, your assist room uh, individuals. Um, those are the people that really should need to take it real seriously. Um, you know, you need to get your, your coworkers out. Um, and to tag on to the person who hangs out and has their conference call during the fire drill, um, when that becomes a reality and it's not a fire drill, um, depending on the jurisdiction, uh, the fire marshal may want a word with you, yes. uh, resulting in a, uh, a ticket of sorts. Right. Um, so that's another reason that you just need to go out, get some air. What, were you on, the, I remember someone at the house was on a call at a school once where a teacher refused. Uh, it, was a, it was a beautician's school or a class <laughs> going on. Right. Uh, ah. As the alarms are going off, there is a light haze and there is a individual looking at me as I'm in full turnout gear asking them to leave. They're like, uh, we're in the middle of a class. And I was like, I had kind of had my hands up and looking at my costume at the time uh, as I was sweating. So... The this gets to let me. I wanted to bring this up, and when we first decided on this topic, this was this I think is is a relevant point in the conversation. Um, I don't know how many of our listeners have ever heard the name Rick Rasclora, um, and I know that all the guys at this table have. So, um, if if you have never heard that name before, um, go on Wikipedia and read this. But I'll tell you very briefly about Rick Rasclora because and he. We can and, maybe tweet out the link to that. It will be a part of our. Yeah, show we'll notes. put it in the show notes. Um, Boom. But. Um, if you've never heard of Rick Rostora, he was the uh, a safety manager for Morgan Stanley. Uh, and Morgan Stanley had multiple floors in Tower 2 of the World Trade Center. Um, he was the kind of guy, he was working uh, in the World Trade Center in 93 when the first bomb went off. Um, after that, was part of the team that evaluated the World Trade Center security and, and basically said... You know, he was a combat veteran. Yeah, he was a combat veteran. The guy was in the uh, was was in British the army and American. yeah, he, he served in the he served in the the British army and in the U.S. army. And he was like Vietnam. a police officer in some country in Africa. Uh, yes, yes. Zambia? In other words, he has Rhodesia. Rhodesia. Yeah. Yes. So the, Anyways, the guy, yeah, the guy, visit, well, is highly entertaining. The guy is the guy is uh, was yeah. He's got an Colorful insane background, and I'm sure he's yeah. <laughs> Colorful. Yeah. So anyway, after the '93 bombing and part of the the security uh, evaluation team of the World Trade Center, um, he made all of his employees and any visitor to Morgan Stanley go through safety training. They had regular drills and exercises. He worked with management to make sure that this could be a mandatory thing. Um, any visitor coming to a Morgan Stanley floor, before they even found out where the bathrooms were, they found out where the staircases were in case they needed to evacuate. Um, and he w really took it upon himself to make sure that the company had 
a culture of safety in the workplace, yeah. making sure they had written emergency plans, making sure they exercise those plans and continually improving those as they as they go. Uh, I think that's as we talk about drills and exercises that you can do in your workplace, you know, making sure that you can improve them. So anyway, on 9-11, um, you know, Rick, as soon as he recognized the danger that people were in, he immediately began uh, to evacuate the Morgan Stanley employees. And, and to his credit, um, Morgan Stanley, hundreds of employees in the World Trade Center that day, um, and they lost, I think, fewer than five. Um, and they were all safety managers. Rick uh, was unfortunately killed. The guy was singing Cornish, uh, yeah. Cornish folk songs yeah. um, in the stairwells to keep the, the morale high. It was something he used to do in the British Army. Um, and he was singing those. He got a chair standing on the uh, standing on the, the chair in the stairwell, singing these corner songs to keep morale high as the employees were evacuating. And he was last seen going back up into the tower. But anyway, um, a, a really incredible guy. And when you think about um, you know workplace preparedness, it's something I think about you know as an emergency manager uh, fairly regularly. Well, have you then- learned any Cornish? Folk songs. <laughs> I have not learned any Cornish folk songs, but now I've added that. I have to do episode this. six. Yeah. We'll break out in a second. After, yeah. after Space Weather, we'll yeah, talk about Space Weather, we'll talk about Cornish. that. I, I would but, put that ahead of Space Weather. But, but I would also like to say that, I mean, you read a little bit more into it. And he was not, when he started talking about this stuff after 93, there were people in high-level high positions there that didn't want back. him there. And he, yeah. they were trying to, because he initially called for them to move from the Trade Center to New Jersey do a smaller four-story building, easier to deal with, all of that. And that didn't go over very well. So, I mean, if you're that person in your workplace, at your home, wherever you may be, you know, emergency unfortunately, emergency management is something that everyone needs to think about. Whether you're like Joe and it's your day-in and day-out job or, you know, you're like the rest of us around the table where we're highly interested in it and very willing to be educated about it and want to learn as much and do as much we can then be those people in the office. And so I know many of our listeners aren't the emergency managers in their space. If you're not, become the person, become the fan of emergency management in your workplace and and get them to do the drills, be active, be be someone that can be a leader there. I would also just add, and if this is jumping ahead, we can circle back to it later, but that planning needs to go beyond just how are you going to get out of the building in the event of an incident? You know, a lot of us take mass transportation to get mm-hmm. to and from work every day. Um, if a big event occurs, regardless of type, that may not be available to you. Do you know how you're going to get home uh, if that were to occur? Um, you know, yeah. up to you know, grab a cab and get over the river to you know if you know to get on mass transit there. If it's just within the the city, if you're commuting in from you know from Virginia, like some of us do into D.C. Uh, or you know. Do you know if you if push comes to shove and you got to walk from D.C. to your house in Virginia, do you know how to do it? Do you yeah. have maps? Do you know what roads are you should use and not use? Do you have clothes in your office that you could do that in, or are you just going to be in your dress clothes? And these happened. are all actually really good questions that will be addressed Thank in episode you, three when we talk about transportation in your cars. But, Frank, go for it. I was going to say, well, that happened after 9-11. Correct. I have good family friends who live in New York and work in, in Manhattan, and they couldn't get transportation. Out because the building had collapsed on sun on subways, yep. and they literally like would walk across the Brooklyn Bridge, right. walk across the GW Bridge yeah. because that's how they had to get out, and Correct. they knew the routes to go. Mm-hmm. 
Well, there's also a great documentary. I think it's on YouTube. I think you found it at one point, Joe, about the all of the civilian boat owners that banded together to help get people out of Manhattan on uh, on around 9/11, mm-hmm. where initially they were sending people south, not really realizing that there wasn't a lot of places for them to go oh, once God. they hit yeah. the river. Um, and so there were ferries that were taking people. They were jammed to capacity the second they touched the dock. So all of these civilian boat owners on both sides of the river just hopped in their boats and started taking people back and forth. Well, and you made the comment about, you know, that they were jam-packed. I also just think about back to when you're a kid, you know, all right, the alarm goes off, don't panic. Everyone just, and that's no matter how old you are, whenever that alarm goes off, that smoke detector, whatnot, don't panic. I had a really interesting moment uh, the other day. I had to put a new smoke detector into Jay's room and, you know, it was funny. So C is three years old and was very curious about what this thing is. And so I'm trying to explain what it is and all of that. When you hear it go off, you know, don't be scared because she heard the noise because it made a really loud beep as you get it set up. So it just, it really hit me. It got kind of emotional being like, oh, I'm having to tell my little kid how to not freak out when the smoke detector goes off because 98% of the time it's because of my cooking. And the other 2%, there's probably a real reason that, you know, so here's what you, and it just made me think like, you know, you always need to not, you know, don't freak out about it and, and don't get concerned, you know, just focus on what you need to do. You know what you need to do, um, you know, and you need to just follow through with the plan. Um, yeah. Well, do you want to, should we talk about what are any sort of lessons learned that we do in our own office just to keep ourselves ready? So, I mean, so yeah. I can start. If yeah. You want. Yeah. Share what you do. Um, Hit us so. with your knowledge, Mr. Dan. So Lieutenant Dan, my um, I never I never made lieutenant. I was smart enough to avoid that. I saw what it did to these two knuckleheads, and I avoided it. Um, but uh, Sergeant, yeah, exactly. That's all I was. Uh, I have the patch. Um, so I keep um, thank you, Robin, a pair of um, comfortable shoes that I can walk in that are not dress shoes that I wear during my day. Job in we have a gym in our office building, so I keep some clothes and shoes that I can wear there. Um, and then I just have a little kit in my office with cash, uh, DC map, uh, a few other things that may or may not come in handy uh, if I have to, uh, you know, uh, hike home. Yeah. Um, because I'm completely dependent on mass transit 99% of the time that I come downtown. Yeah, uh, I would add to that if you're. Um if you're going to be out of your building for an extended period of time, uh, make sure you grab your laptop. Mm-hmm. Make sure you grab some important things that you would need to continue your work at home mm-hmm. um, if you can't make it back in the office. Correct. So grab, create a go bag. It's got uh, car, an extra set of house keys, car keys, $20 bill, bottle of water, granola bar, phone charger. And if you really want to upgrade, go on Amazon, get one of those solar chargers. So if you're going to be out of the office for 15, for, for an hour or more, you've got a way to charge your phone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the area map is always useful. Yeah. Any personal medications you may need. Crossbow you know, and machete. Crossbow and machete, unless you work in a federal building. No crossbow, <laughs> no machete. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff you may already own. You throw it in the old gym bag you haven't used in 10 years that's been tucked in the closet. It sits under your desk. It's there when you need it. And hopefully you never do, but it's one of those things you can quickly grab it and it has everything you need. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked about a bunch of different things. Uh, you know, be the leader in your office, even if you're not the emergency manager. Take that leading position because uh, everybody needs to do that. 
find out what you do have in your office. You know, it's important for everyone to know what's going on. If your office doesn't have something because it's smaller, you know, find out. If your office is larger, most likely means that they haven't updated it in a while either. So check that out, um, you know, and find out what's going on there. And then, you know, prepare for yourself. What do you have to do in order to do this response? Um, you know, we're going to talk about it in, uh, you know, a little prequel to episode uh, three. We're going to be talking about your vehicle. And, you know, when you're not at the home, you're not in the office, where are you? And, you know, your vehicle is kind of your base of operation. So kind of stuff you can bring in there. So kind of some of the same discussion, but a little different tilt. So uh, we look forward to sharing that with you for episode three and, and welcome you to come back then. Um, but again, I'd like to thank all the dads for uh, joining me today to talk about work, you know, workplace preparedness and tying into the theme that we have with preparedness. Um, and I'd like to thank everyone for listening to us today. Uh, you know, it's it's great to have a strong following that we've got going on. We hope to grow it. Uh, again, we're going to be learning as we go through this plenty process. Plenty of room on the bandwagon. Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> there's plenty of room there. Uh, you know, we're going to be learning as we go through this. So send us your comments at uh, the dads at disasterdads.com. Tweet us at disasterdads and uh, visit our homepage at disasterdads.com to give us your thoughts. So, with that, I'd like to thank you all and um, we panic so you don't have to. Bye. <laughs>